And our vision is all about looking forward. I just had my second child enter high school. It's like one of those moments that you realize you're now outnumbered. You're moving into like the whole older end of, you know, parenthood where it's like, you know, I've got one child left at primary school. I'm going to keep them there as long as I possibly can. And, um, but yeah, two kids in high school. My daughter now is 13, 14 in a couple of weeks going on, uh, you know, 19, which is scary. And, um, but you, you, you can just get, the older you get, the more you can tend to just look back. And, you know, with my daughter, we've got this, you know, new relationship, which for me, it took a while to get used to that she's not my tiny baby anymore, my baby Jasmine, you know, and uh, many of you will know baby Jasmine, and she doesn't want to be baby Jasmine anymore, and uh, it's taken me longer to adapt than for her. She, you know, moves into high school, year eight, she's now year nine, and quickly moves on to the next phase of life, and yet as dads, how many dads know what I'm talking about right now? And uh, your baby girl is now not a baby girl. And uh, so it's taken me some hard adjustment and some emotional adjustment to work out, right, I've got to reinvent our relationship here. I've got to go with, with what's going on with my children. But, you know, as parents, it's easy to look back and try and to hold on to what we had rather than to embrace what we can have in our future. And the same can be true for every single one of us at different ages, different stages of life. And as a church, we can, we can look back at the great things and great times we've had rather than step into what God has for us in the future. We're going to read a scripture right now, which is about God's people who were on the move. They were on the move from where they were to where God wanted them to be. And yet they were, I feel like uh, just the pastoral moment for all the Liverpool fans. They were once good. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But, you know, I just feel like it's, it's my duty just to care and pastor the people, many Liverpool fans here today. And my heart really does go out for you, Liverpool fans. I just feel, you know, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your success in decades to come. As you look back on the one Premier League title that you've won, well done, guys, really good job. You know, but it can be so easy, can't it, to look back when uh, God wants us to look forward to the coming resurgence of Manchester United. Hello, the, one, the Liverpool fan on the sound desk. But, you know, we, we've got to be people that move forward. And, and God here is looking at his people and he's instigated Moses, the leader of the people, who's brought them out of slavery, but brought them out of their past and taking them towards something. But they, right in the middle, can't see the future. And they're even tempted to look back on what they had, even if it was small. We're going to read from Numbers chapter 11 and verse 10. And uh, we're going to see what this story can teach us today. Moses heard the people of every family, the people of God, and they were wailing at the entrance to their tents. 
They were moaning and complaining, and the Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? It's your responsibility, God. Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing and moaning. Give us meat to eat. These people were complaining because they did used to eat meat. And the Bible even tells us that they were complaining because they didn't have any cucumbers. They didn't have any onions. They didn't have garlic. So they weren't eating meat. Uh, Side note, they also weren't in slavery anymore, but they just decided to erase that from their memory. And, they, and Moses is, is saying, how can I look after them? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I can't carry these people all by myself. The burden, the burden is too heavy for me. This is how you're going to treat me. Please go ahead and kill me if I found favor in your eyes and do not, do not let me face my own ruin. The Lord said to Moses, God, come and speak to us. Bring me 70 of Israel's leaders who are known among you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to church. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and I will speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the spirit that's on you and I'll put it on them. And they will share the burden of all the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Tell the people consecrate yourself. Get ready in preparation for tomorrow when you will have meat to eat. Verse 21, Moses said, here am I among 600,000 men on foot and you say I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough flocks if the herds uh, were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish of the sea were caught for them? And the Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? In other words, you might not be able to see the solution, but God is able to provide for you. Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true. I don't know what you're believing for in your life or what we're believing for here in Chester. God is saying to us, now you will see whether or not what I say, God speaking, will come true for you. Verse 24, so Moses went out, he told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of the elders, had them stand stand around the tent. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with them. And he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him. And he put it on the 70 leaders. And then the Spirit rested on them. They prophesied, but they did not do it again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp outside of the tent of meeting. They were in the distance. But they also were listed among the leaders, the elders, but they didn't go to the tent. Yet the Spirit also found them. The Spirit of God rested on them. And they prophesied all around the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp amongst the regular people. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and he said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all of God's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Thank God for 
the New Testament church. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail. This is the meat that God has been speaking about. He drove the quail in from the sea and it scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp as far as a day's walk in any direction, north, south, east, west, they were wading through quail. That is like really good if you're really hungry. It's my idea of an absolute nightmare. Dead pigeons wherever you're walking. <laughs> my goodness. No one gathered less than two homers and they spread them out all around the camp. This is an amazing uh, story account from the Bible that we see here where Moses is standing in between what was and what will be, what could be, and he knows God has spoken about the future. He's given him a dream and a plan and a purpose, and he knows it's a matter of time before we step into it. And yet all of the people were a little bit in doubt, and they were at that point thinking maybe what we had it was more comfortable, even though we were slaves, we were eating meat. Maybe we should just go back to what we had. And yet Moses was like in front of God, God, come on, I know what we've been called to. And it's way better from where we came from. And so would you help me to lead these people away from our past and into our future? And right now on the eve in terms of Sundays of a new vision offering, we've got the opportunity to either stay, stand and quit and go, okay, the cards we've got are pretty good. Let's stay here. Or we've got the opportunity to say, maybe God, you have got us here because this is only the platform for what you really want to do. And God, you're about to do something that we could only dream and imagine, but it's reality to you. God, would you pull us not back into our past, but would you pull us into our future? I want to give you a few things to help us if we're going to step not back into our past, but step into the new promised land of our future. What is it that we're going to need to do? And the first thing is this, we're going to need to get ready to share the burden. Get ready to share the burden. In verse 16 and 17 of Nehemiah chapter 11, God said to Moses, bring me 70 of the elders among you. Bring me the leaders and I will put the same spirit that's on you, Moses, and I will put it on all the people. This is an amazing moment where the Spirit of God comes and saturates God's people in the tent of meeting. There's something powerful that happens, as Pastor Leo already taught us, that the Christian faith is not an isolated and individualistic faith. The Bible encourages us to not neglect meeting together. That when we come together, there is something powerful that happens. God's power and presence is available for us, yes, 24-7. But when we come together and we worship together, and we come under the sound of the preaching of the Word together, and we have coffee together, and we speak about things going on in our lives, and we pray for one another, and we prophesy over one another, and we encourage and we lift others' arms up, there's something powerful about the coming together. 
one plus one in the kingdom of God never equals two. God, if is bad at anything, it could be maths. There's something about God where He only multiplies. And when He brings us together, we are more than the sum of our individual parts. There's a multiplication thing that happens when we bring our gifts and our talents and our time and our resource together. And we pull it and we say, come on, together we can do way more than what we can all do in our own strength. Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3. How good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe, as it is as the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there God bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. It's in a spirit of unity where God's commanded blessing falls. And the Bible here, when it speaks about oil, oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And so it's no surprise when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, that the Bible says before the people were all together in one place. It was in a spirit of unity where God commanded His blessing, where God poured out His Spirit not just on a priest, but poured out His Spirit on all people. And all people were baptized with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When God poured out His Spirit, is in an atmosphere of unity. When we come together, God commands a blessing. Maybe we can do what we can do in our own strength, on our own, but when we come together in the house of God, that's where we give and God commands His blessing on everything that we have. God's commanded blessing is on a spirit of unity. 1 Peter 2.5, you like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. This is not a natural thing we're doing together. You are a spiritual house. The Bible says to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So number one, we've got to get ready to share the burden as God pours out His Spirit, not just on Lee and Lausanne, not just on the one or the two or the few, but God is able to pour His Spirit out on every single one of us together. The second thing is you've got to get ready to consecrate yourself. Verse 19, 18, Nehemiah chapter 11, Moses said to the people, come on, we've got we've to get ready. We've got to prepare ourselves. God's about to do something. And if we're going to be ready to step into that, then first of all, we've got to consecrate ourselves. Consecration is an act of preparation. We all know that anything good only happens because of preparation. Ask my wife in the morning. It takes her a long time to prepare, to get ready. But she will say, if you want something good out of this room, then I need to prepare. I've got to do the makeup and the stuff and all of that. It goes to the next level when you have a teenage daughter. I'm telling you, oh my goodness. 
Like she's got things that do things. I'm like, what are you doing? That's like a torture device you're putting in your eyeball there. What are you doing? Like while we're driving as well, what are you doing? Seriously. I don't know what any of those things do, but wow. But if anything good is going to happen, it's going to take a lot of preparation. See, that's why, guys, we're so good looking, right? We take two minutes, we're ready. Isn't that true, guys? All the men said? (laughs) My wife's not here, so I'm good. Everyone else is like, I'm not saying amen to that one. But you've got to consecrate yourself. Joshua 3, verse 5. Joshua said, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow God will do amazing things. Audacious church, Chester. If we would get ready, then God is about to do something amazing here in Chester, all around North Wales, Cheshire, the Wirral. If we would get ready, then God is able to do something amazing. Get ready. Come on, can can I stir your faith today to believe that we wouldn't just be so amazed by what God has done that we forget to say, God, let us continue to have faith for what you're about to do. What God wants to birth in us today for tomorrow would blow our minds if we could get ourselves ready for God, what God wants to do. He could pour out His Spirit, not just on this church, on many churches in our cities, but on all people. Come on, let's get ready for what God is about to do, to step into the promised land. The third thing is we've got to get ready for an overflow. Get ready for an overflow. In verse 26 and verse 27, the Bible said that the Holy Spirit found all of the elders in the tent of meeting. As they had come together, God, fill us. Moses was like, thank you, God. You give me plan and strategy, the spirit and power, revelation that you've put in me and the vision for an incredible future. Now you're going to get that out and you're going to cause the burden to be shared amongst all the people. And now all of us are going to move forward, not look back. We're going to step out and not hold back. We're going to believe for something incredible in a promised land that we're not yet there yet, but we're believing for. And then he says, he says, but the Holy the Spirit did not just fall on the people inside the tent, but the Spirit also found two of the elders outside the tent, Eldad and Medad. This is the amazing thing I love about God. That in sometimes we, we kind of know what God's about to do. We know. We kind of have the plans and the ideas and the strategies. And we know how God's going to move. And we, we get ready and we program and we think like God's going to do it this way because our program's brilliant and our strategy's incredible. And so we know what God's going to do. And yet God comes up with something totally left field. Because God, His plans and His purposes are not our plans. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And so God, His overflow nature finds people outside of the tent of meeting. Everybody was thinking, wow, I can't believe that you're not only meeting with the priest, but now some of God's people, you are meeting them. But not even that. Now you're meeting people who aren't even at the tent of meeting. What is this? God is way bigger than we ever thought or imagined. 
that maybe God could be speaking to people who aren't even at church today. Maybe God could be devising ways for your neighbors and friends and family and work colleagues that today something could be happening while you're there, God is moving over there. While you're here worshiping and praying and believing, God is already moving over there outside the tent. Because our God is a God of overflow. And we can think, wow, God, we know what you've got for our future as audacious church. And God is looking going, you might think you know, but there is an overflow to my nature. The things that you can't even see, you wouldn't even dare to do, you can't even plan for, that I'm going to pour out in a way that you are not thinking or imagining. That I'm going to do more than you could expect, more than you could have faith for, more than you can imagine. Because I am a God of overflow. And whatever you're believing for, however hard you've been praying, God is a God of overflow. And He wants to do more for you than you can think, ask, or imagine. The last thing is this, is that get ready for the harvest. Get ready for the harvest. Come on, we're in the camp here. I know no one here whines and moans and, you know, talks about the cucumbers and the meat that we used to have. But for a moment, we're, we're here right in the middle and what we had has been good. God's brought us so far and yet we stand forward in a moment of time going, okay, God, we may have sacrificed before, but God, that paved the way for generations. That, that's paved the way for what we're seeing today. But God, there is a promised land that we've not yet stepped foot in. And it's, it's, it's just almost within stepping distance. But if we're not careful, we'll be, we'll be sat here in the same place. If we're not careful, we'll just make this our home. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll, human nature is that we'll, we'll just set up camp here and, and then it will become a little bit more permanent. And then we'll put a white picket fence around. You know, we'll get a little puppy. <laughs> My daughter really wants a puppy. It's not a good moment. It's getting closer, I feel. Well, I don't feel, but my wife does. Anyway, another story. We, we can make the temporary permanent. And we can think, wow, we lived a life of faith once, but, but maybe it's other, turn, other people's turns to, to be in faith. Yet God, as long as we have breath in our lungs, calls every one of us to live the life of faith. On the drive over this morning, I was thinking about Wendy, and I was thinking about Brian and Sue, I was thinking about Glennis, I was thinking about Sean, I was thinking about all these incredible people that have been part of Audacious Church Chester. I was thinking about the legacy that they've left, and they ran so hard for the years they had, right up until the last moment. And they're almost looking down at the great cloud of witnesses at us right now, going, come on. Keep running with faith. Keep running with faith. Don't stop. Don't get comfortable. Keep going. Keep stepping out. Keep moving forward. And God wants us to continue to step, to step, to step. With every step, we're going to get closer to that promised land 
We're going to see God do amazing things if we would prepare ourselves, consecrate ourselves, and we would get ready for a harvest. The Bible says that they began to seal quail. Can you imagine that moment that the, the quail started filling the skies? They looked up and go, wow, this, this, is, this is different. Something's happening. I mean, I wonder how long it would have taken them to, to think, wow, God's moving now. But, and then they began to fall out the skies and they're wading through quail and they've got enough meat, the Bible says. They begin to, they begin to find disease in the camp because they'd been believing for meat to eat. But then that had become an idol to them. And so they had made the creative thing the idol rather than the creator. And so we've got to keep our eyes fixed on the God of miracles, not on the miracle that we're believing for. We must keep our eyes on the Creator, not the creative things that we're asking for. The greatest thing that we can have is not maybe the thing that you're praying for, but it's the fact that you don't have it because it's causing you to get deeper in your relationship with God. It's causing you to seek Him. And the greatest thing that comes from our desperation is proximity to God Himself. Every single one of us right now, we have a past that could be good, but we've got a future that could be way better. But if we're gonna step into it, we've gotta to together share the burden for this city. We've got to together share the burden for our church. We've got to together share our burden for the needs that present themselves and the people who are far away from God. We've got to, like we heard from Pastor Lee last week, we've got to live with that eternal mindset that says, come on, we, we get a, our life here is like a mist. It's like a mist. And we've got to make the most of every opportunity that God gives to us. Maybe, may we run this, this life with perseverance. Maybe, may we run it with continual faith, believing God. May we continually step forward, believing for greater things, never being tempted to make permanent what God meant to be temporary, that we would continue to move forward in faith. I'm believing today that God is beginning to speak to people and open up dreams and ideas and imaginations and visions for people. And your journey may have been incredible to this point, but God has only brought you to this point that A, you could bring someone else with you and B, that you'd recognize there is further to go. That your journey to this point is a journey that continues. The life of faith continues to walk forward. The life of faith is never standstill. It's never stopped. The life of faith moves forward with perseverance.